Are you ready to turn your investments into retirement income? Listen in as Jeremy Kyle and his guests reveal ways you can make smarter retirement, investment, and tax planning decisions to achieve your ideal retirement. You will learn more about your money so you can feel better about your money and make better money decisions. Now, on to the show. Welcome to Retirement Revealed. I'm your host, Jeremy Kyle, and we're here to turn your retirement savings into a consistent income. And today we're not talking so much about income, but maybe protecting income. We're talking about life insurance. We're going to call this a no-nonsense conversation about life insurance. And we have Mike Smith here from CPS Horizon to to talk about that with us. Uh, welcome to the show. Thank you. Happy to be here. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we'll just uh, start off with it because you are uh, an owner of an insurance brokerage agency. And a lot of people come to you because they're looking to get some level of insurance. So let's just start there. Maybe talk about CPS and what they do. We're a little different animal. I'm what's called a brokerage general agency. And so I don't work for any of the insurance companies. Rather, I'm a resource that financial advisors, insurance agents, attorneys, and accountants can come to to get access to the various insurance companies and their products that they offer. And we specialize in life, disability, long-term care insurance, and to some extent annuities as well. And so to us, it's not a matter of which company is the best, is always the same company we represent. It's, it's a variety of different companies, and we just try to find the best solution for that client. Yeah, a lot of people don't realize that uh, a lot of insurance companies maybe have different specialties or different things they feel more comfortable, comfortable with insuring or that they focus on. And it's a lot easier to work with somebody that's a, a brokerage that has access to all these different areas. And so when the client comes to the advisor and needs something in specific, then the advisor can come to a place like CPS and say, here's what we're looking for, what's out there? And you you pretty much know. <laughs> yeah, we shop the market, we work hand in hand with the advisor and to make sure that whatever the recommendation is, is in the client's best interest uh, as best as possible. It's not just about price sometimes. Sometimes it's a matter of what, can that person get through underwriting? Do they have some health issues? Or uh, boy, is it worth spending an extra two cents a month to get something that's a little more robust or has different features and benefits? We know the different marketplace, we know the different products that are out there and can help you fi figure out what is the best solution. Yeah, perfect. Well, we're going to talk a little bit more about that, the idea of independent agents versus captive agents and brokerages, things like that. But if we're going to talk no-nonsense conversation about life insurance, step one is, do you need life insurance? What What do you think? That's a, That answer is not the same for everybody. If you're a single individual and you have no debts and there's nobody who's dependent upon your income other than yourself, maybe you don't need life insurance. But life insurance is something that uh, should be looked at very seriously once you start becoming uh, someone's dependent upon you, whether you're newly married or now you've got children, if something happens to you, you're going to make sure that they're taking care of financially. If you're not around, your income's not coming in either. So this is life insurance replaces the income that you bring in. And it's incredibly important for young families, but it can also be very important for those people who are closer to retirement. Maybe you've had a lot of life insurance when you were had a young, young family, but now that you're empty nesters, is life insurance still needed? That's something we can work with your financial advisor on and help determine. Well, I like how you use the word income. Life insurance is income replacement. We work with a lot of retirees and a lot of people approach retirement feel like, well, I'm retiring. I'm not going to have a salary anymore. What do I need life insurance to do? Why do I need life insurance to replace my salary? I have no salary. And we say, no, it's this is income replacement. Let's just figure out, is there an income that's going to go away when you go away? And they're oftentimes the answer is yes. Almost always the answer is yes. Somebody might have come to us and made a pension decision already 
where they're going to get a few thousand dollars a month, but they chose the option where their spouse gets 0% of that if they die. Or maybe they actually chose that option and it was a survivorship type of option where the pension continues on for their spouse, but their spouse themselves is gone. There is a death or divorce and their new spouse comes along. And a lot of these pensions don't let that get transferred over to the new spouse. So there could be a pension that's lost. There will definitely be some level of social security that's lost when there's two people, the youngest person, or rather the lowest income, whatever the lowest social security is, that goes away. Thank goodness social security lets you keep the higher of the two, but it still means you definitely lose at least one, the lower of the two social securities. And so hitting retirement Life insurance is income replacement. There's still income that could be lost. And so it's still worth considering, should I keep the old policy I have? Do I even have enough coverage? Maybe I need a new policy to cover me in retirement. So that, there we go. So that's uh, talking a little bit about, do you need life insurance? But let's decide, you, d you decided yes, you need life insurance. How do we figure out the level of coverage you need and the length of time? Those are probably the two most important things is, is what's the level of coverage and what's the length of time you need life insurance? How would someone go about looking at that? Well, when it comes to trying to figure out the length of time, and then we'll jump into the amount, the length of time determines is really determined by what your needs are. So if you're sitting here with young children, you're sitting here with a two or a three-year-old, maybe the length of time for life insurance is at least until that kid gets old enough to get out of the house. So a 20-year level term insurance policy might be all you need. 20 years of level term means that you've got insurance that's going to be there for 20 years. The price is the same for 20 years. And then af after the 20 years is up, the price skyrockets or you just don't need or you just drop the coverage. So it all depends upon what your overall objective is. If it's just make sure I've got enough insurance to get the kids out of the house, that's one aspect. Even about a mortgage, I want to make sure that I've got enough life insurance for a long enough time period to cover the length of a mortgage. And of course, also for the seniors out there, do I want to make sure I've got some life insurance that I can't outlive? Term insurance, most people outlive their term life insurance because uh, term life insurance is only set for a certain length of time. You can get term insurance that lasts as long as 30 years. Actually, we've got a couple of companies that go as long as 40 years. But what happens if you live longer than those 40 years and you still need life insurance? That's where you want to take a look at some permanent insurance. And we can go into the different types a little bit later. But you know, when it comes to trying to figure out the time frame, it's a matter of what is the big picture. And you and your, your clients and the financial advisors and the insurance advisors can help do provide that information as far as figuring out what's the proper length of time. As far as how much, that's a tough question. And, and that answer is different from everybody. For everybody, you have to take a look at what is the proper amount? What do I want to replace? How much of my income do I want to replace? And how long do I want to do that? So if you figure every million dollars of life insurance is enough to generate $50,000 of income, if all you're trying to do is live off the interest that million dollars provides. If you're saying, I want to re I make $100,000 a year and I just want to replace 10 years worth of income, well, maybe a million or, or so is the proper amount. There's something called financial needs analysis that just about every single insurance advisor and financial advisor is aware of to help calculate the proper amount of insurance. And I, I implore people to do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and generally it's an idea of, is there anything you want to pay off right away, right? If you're somebody that's the breadwinner and your spouse is not currently employed and you have a mortgage, a lot of people have that feeling like I want to pay off the mortgage or, oh my goodness, I do have a couple kids. It's, it's a struggle enough to pay for college bills. 
I'd hate to make that struggle worse if one of us goes away. So maybe you decide, I wanna have the mortgage paid off if I die. I wanna have some money set aside for college if I die. That's a lump sum that uh, you can determine right now. You can take a look at some statements and, and put it all together, but then you're right on. It's the level of income. Do I wanna replace my entire $100,000 of salary if that's the amount? And for how long? Do I want it to be for five years or 10 years or 20 years? whatever that amount is, that's probably a quick, easy way to go about it. Say, add up your debts that you wanna pay off or things you wanna have set aside like college and then decide what's my income I want replaced times how many years that I wanna have it replaced. That's a good quick rubric, I think. That shouldn't take you more than a couple minutes to just go through and say that's a good round number for the amount of life insurance you ought to be looking at. And really it should be done if you're talking about a young couple each, both the husband and the wife should be looking at that for each other. So if something happens to the husband, does she want the mortgage paid off, some money set aside for the college, and then how much income does she want to replace? But also, I'm going to be a little sexist here on purpose here. A lot of husbands, if they're the breadwinners, they feel they need more life insurance on themselves and they really can go by with very little or next to nothing on the spouse. I think that's a huge mistake because you want to ask the same questions. If something happens to your wife, do you want the mortgage paid off? Do you want some money set aside for college? And how much income do you want to replace? And a lot of times they say, oh, I make enough money. I really don't have to worry about replacing her income. But I often come back and make them think a little bit more challenging in that aspect and say, okay, now you're a single parent now. Are you going to be the kind of dad who wants to get them on and see the kids get on the bus and off the bus? Because if you are, you're going to be cutting back in your hours at work because if you want to be have the freedom to be able to go see your kids play soccer or do the different activities they do, your hours at work are probably going to be cut back. So maybe it's a matter of re not necessarily replacing your wife's income, but replacing some of your own income to give you the freedom to be able to be a, a, a hands-on dad. Yeah, I like I like that you threw the generals in there because we see that people those those exact statements that you are talking about we hear that still all the time and it could be the opposite it could easily be the opposite but think through exactly it's not just your own income that you need to replace but it's also what type of lifestyle or situation do you want to make sure that you or your spouse are going to be set up in or maybe you're you're not married or you're divorced uh, there there's still it could be even more of a challenging situation where let's take the money picture out of the equation if somebody passes on uh, let's make sure that there's life insurance there to come in and, and help out uh, with that well good and actually real quick just to finish up on how do we get the right level of coverage there's a lot of old rules of thumb i started almost 20 years ago not quite 20 years ago and back then people said oh you need like seven to ten times your income that's what i was hearing uh, on that well now i'm hearing more it's like 12 times your income and the main reason is nothing to do with people wanting to sell you more life insurance. It's just that back 20 years ago, interest rates were three, four, five, six percent Now they're like 0.3.5%. And if you want to have this income replaced and there's a dollar amount that's coming in from the life insurance and there's less interest coming in, you need more life insurance to help replace that income. And so it's a lot better. We like that idea, that rubric of what are the debts and the things you want to have on a one-time situation plus the amount of income you want set aside times the amount of years. That's more personalized. But if you're just trying to throw a number at it, just you, you don't like the two-minute solution, look for the 10-second solution. It's got to be at least 12 times your income as a starting point. We see that more and more often now. In fact, a lot of insurance companies will allow up to 20 times income for somebody to get insurance. If, if somebody's looking for more than 20 times, they might have to jump through some hoops. But a lot of companies say it's 20 times or less, 
no problem providing insurance for that amount. Yeah, you actually asked me that on our pre-call. You said, how did you figure out how much life insurance you got, Jeremy? I said, you know what? I just asked for the max because, well, number one, I sell life insurance and I believe strongly in it. Number two, I don't know what's going to happen in the future. And maybe my income goes up. Maybe my needs go up because there's you know different family situations. I said, I'm just going to figure out what the max is I can get. I went out and got it. That's That was what I did. But uh, I got a feeling that's maybe not the solution for everybody. But that's that's how I did it. It said, hey, 20 times, let's go for it. Affordability is also very important, obviously. Yeah, exactly. Well, good. So we got it figured out. Do you need life insurance? Then look at the length of time that you might want that coverage for. Then the level of coverage you want to go out and get. Now, the next step is who should you actually be buying life insurance from? And you obviously have your uh, opinions. We want to we want to hear those. And we're going to introduce a couple concepts, the idea of a captive agent versus an independent agent. Can you just define those for me? A captive agent is someone who basically works for a particular insurance company and pretty much sells only for that particular company. They might have some flexibility to go outside that their product line, but it's pretty much I'm only selling insurance for one particular company, so these are the solutions I can come up with within my particular company. An independent agent has the ability to take a look at a whole bunch of different insurance companies. They're not captive, so therefore they can really find the best pricing for their client or find the best product for their client. The issue with a captive is that they're limited to what they can provide, and if the underwriter doesn't like you, your situation or your health situation, they could make an offer that can be beaten very easily on the outside market. So I, I always believe that you take a look at an independent agent because they will typically have your best interests in mind. That is not to say that the captives don't, but they're going to be kind of limited as to what they can offer. Yeah, and the people that work for captive insurance agencies or captive companies, they're, they're great people. And a lot of times these companies are some of the higher rated ones that are out there. And so actually we've known Mike, I've known Mike for quite a while now. We've almost gone back and forth sometimes, you know, offline about the different companies that are out there. I've seen quite often that these uh, captive companies do have great rates, great dividends, great things that are going on for them. But I think you're right on. There's just an interesting situation where you work for one company and that's the one company that you can represent or maybe it's just the main company that you represent, even if you have the ability to go out and get different companies that are out there. Typically, if you're working for that one company, whatever it is, you only get credit for your health insurance or your pension, or maybe there's even sales trips that are out there if you've sold enough life insurance. You only get credit for that when you are selling your one particular company. So as great of an individual that person is, when there's a lot of financial incentives on the line to help encourage that agent to only represent the one company, it's tough to that's tough to combat, and so I do like the idea, and that's what we do. We every time we run into life insurances, we're calling up Mike and his team at CPS Horizon. We're saying, "Here's what we're looking at. What's the situation?" And they'll look around and find the different uh, companies that are out there. We were talking earlier. We said, "Well, a lot of people when they go out and buy a car, let's think of life insurance as you're going out and buying a car. You walk into a Ford dealer, you're not surprised when they only sell you a Ford car." But at the same time, you probably do want to walk in and say, I know what car I want. When you're buying life insurance, you probably don't know which company you want. And so that's why it's nice to have somebody that can look at the whole breadth of the different companies and the different situations uh, that are out there. Hey, sorry for the interruption. It's Jeremy Kyle here, and I know you're listening to the Retirement Reveal Podcast because you want to learn more about making great retirement decisions. I've created a free video course for you to do just that. Head over to 5stepretirementplan.com and sign up to receive this video training right in your email inbox. 
we broke down our five-step retirement plan into bite-sized videos so you can get started on the retirement, investment, and tax planning you need to create a consistent retirement income. Go to 5stepretirementplan.com, use the number or spell it out, you'll get there either way. 5stepretirementplan.com. Thanks for listening, and now for the rest of the show. Well, if that's where we're looking to find an independent agent, how would you how do you find one? The internet can do wonders. I suppose, obviously. right? Yes, yep. there's, there's tons of opportunity in that aspect. You could go online and run your own quotes. I mean, there's a lot of different quote engines out there that you can go out and get your own life insurance quotes. But I do find that sometimes those are not as accurate as they should be because they really don't go into what your particular health situation is. And they don't, it's an number or it's an internet resource that I think makes a lot of sense to use that to try to at least do some homework but then find an independent agent and where do you locally i think it makes a lot of sense to work with a local agent who gets to know you and your family gets to knows the community knows what your particular circumstance is and can provide you the more professional guidance than just trying to do it on your own and then you can find them in a lot of different resources you can go online you can ask friends you can ask family people at your church you know who do you use for life insurance and get a referral that's one of the best ways to go about doing it because if your friend uses a particular insurance agent, you would think that, that your friend has done some homework or is at least saying, okay, this is a guy I trust enough or a woman I trust enough to get life insurance. Maybe I should have a conversation with him or her as well. Yeah, and we'll have a link to your website in the show notes, a link to even some resources on how you can find independent agents. And so, um, yeah, internet's a wonderful thing. A lot of people think actually when you go buy insurance off the internet, somehow it's going to be cheaper. A lot of times it's the same insurance. It's just the commission goes to the insurance uh, website compared to the insurance agent. And so mm-hmm. it's not it's not cheaper necessarily to just buy it offline. You know, I'm putting air quotes out there to buy it on, on the internet. The pricing's the same for everybody, basically. You know, if you're preferred health it's and you want to buy insurance with XYZ company, you can get that from somebody online, And but the pricing locally will be the exact same pricing. It is what it is. There's nobody who's got an extra special deal over than somebody else. Mm-hmm. So it's a matter of really developing a relationship with, your, with their, your agent. And I think a local independent agent makes a... A lot of sense because when you need service, when you're starting to say, hey, I'm having health issues or my husband passed away, I need to file a claim, you're going to get local support from that agent who you've got a relationship with as opposed to some 800 number in Florida or (laughs) India. (laughs) Yeah, who knows? Who knows? Well, there's a lot of different types of insurance out there. A lot of people think there's only just kind of two types, term insurance, whole life insurance. Can you describe for us, especially in the life insurance world, what are some different types of insurance? And we're going to ask you later on about this thing called living benefits. But let's just talk about what are the different types of insurances that are out there? There's basically two types. There's term insurance and permanent insurance. And underneath permanent insurance, there's about three or four different options there. There's whole life. There's something called universal life. And there's some other products as well that I'll just try to keep it between whole life and universal life. But let's start with term. Term is the cheapest term of type of life insurance there is. You buy insurance for a certain length of time, 10 10 years, 15 years, 30 years. A couple of companies, like I mentioned, go as long as 40 years of term insurance. And if you get level term insurance, the premium stays the same for the entire length of time you have the coverage, say 20 years. And if you outlive your term insurance, which most people do, You've paid premiums on term insurance your entire life, and thankfully you've never needed it. And maybe you can just move on and not have life insurance after that. But if you want life insurance that's going to last for as long as you live, then you want to take a look at permanent insurance. Now, whole life is the most expensive type of life insurance. Uh, And what life insurance, permanent life insurance, has you do is 
there is a pure cost of insurance. I'm not talking about the premium, I'm talking about the pure cost of insurance. And that goes up every single year as you, as you get older. But your premium is going to be much higher than the pure cost of insurance. The excess difference between the cost of insurance and what you pay in premium goes in to build up cash value, goes into a little savings account, which you can tap into down the line. And whole life happens to have the greater spread and so more money goes into building cash value, which is a good thing or, or not so good. All depends on what your objective is. Universal life came out several decades ago, and that was kind of a blend between permanent of whole life and blend of term insurance. So it's kind of the pricing's in between. You can still build some cash value, but there's more flexibility in universal life, and it costs less than whole life for this for the pure cost of insurance. So we find a lot of people like universal life because it's permanent insurance and it can last as long as you live. You do have to keep an eye on it a little bit more just to make sure things are performing properly, but there's a lot of flexibility. So those are the types of life insurance are the easiest way to describe it, term and permanent. Yeah, and it's interesting. I like how uh, you mentioned with universal life, you got to keep an eye on it. It's almost a lot more responsibility with the person who buys it. If you just want the, the plain vanilla, I don't have to worry about it, permanent insurance, then you, you want to look at a whole life. Because that's whatever the premium is, it won't change, and that's going to build up the cash value, and you don't have to worry about it. Well, these universal lives, which are interesting, is that uh, the interest rates might change, or the different crediting rates, or different ways that the cash value grows might change. Thankfully, they send you every single year. Here's a statement on there, but there's been uh, plenty of news stories I've seen in the last two years where you know, the 75-year-old, the 90-year-old uh, person, all of a sudden their universal life insurance wasn't performing the way that they had thought. Well, then that looks sensationalist, like, oh my goodness, these insurance companies are hurting their clients. And then I read into the article and realize, wait a second, this lady hasn't looked at her statement for 20 years. It's maybe unfortunate she didn't realize there's a level of responsibility, but we're here to tell you today, if you buy universal life insurance, there's a level of responsibility there for the person who buys it keep an eye on that level of insurance and keep an eye on how it's projecting out every single year with those statements. And I also love how you use the term pure cost of insurance. It's kind of a tough idea. And it's because your term insurance premium is what, what it costs you. Your whole life insurance premium is not actually what it costs you, but it stays level the entire time. And especially when you have the universal life insurance, a lot of people, I was just talking to somebody yesterday, they had an insurance policy, universal type of policy. They've had it for 25 years. They've been putting the same premium in for the entire 25 years. And we were showing them that this is gonna be a problem very soon. And they say, what are you talking about? I've been paying the same premium for 25 years. Why is there a problem? Well, because your cost of insurance goes up every single year. So no, it doesn't. I've had the same premium for 25 years. So your premium is different than your actual cost of the insurance. And back 25 years ago, this person was putting in a level premium amount. His cost of insurance was probably way below what he was putting in. Well, now every year you get older, his cost of insurance was going up. He's at the point where his cost of insurance is much higher than the premium amount he's putting in. And so we, we, we didn't sell him this policy 25 years ago. We were walking into it now saying, here's the situation, we're explaining it to them, and they've just gotta make a decision on, do they need life insurance? How long do they want the life insurance for? What's the level of coverage that they want? And is this particular policy going to be the one that's gonna get that for them? Here, here's what happened with that, and I'm gonna take a guess on what happened with yeah, this thing. go for but it. But this is also gonna be very good information for your listeners here. 
But when that person bought their policy 25 years ago, interest rates were much higher than they are now. And so what you have to realize with universal life, the excess cash value grows at an interest rate. And if the person bought the life insurance and they were expecting an 8, 9, 10% return on their cash value every year, they didn't pay attention because the market has dropped so much as far as that's the interest rates are nowhere near that crediting. So when they first bought that policy, they were got, given an illustration that probably showed like 8%. We expect this money to earn 8% every single year. That's not even close to being accurate. Interest rates go up and down, as we all know. So you have to keep a closer eye on the life insurance and how your policy is performing. So every year they were getting a statement and they should have seen their cash value either growing, going up every year, or if you start to see the cash value come down, you know that your policy is not in good health because if the cash value can hit zero, there's a possibility they lose the insurance. So one of the things I suggest every single one of your listeners do is ask for an in-force illustration from their insurance company and say, if I keep my, ask the insurance company and say, if I keep my premium the same, how is my policy projected to perform? And then if it looks like it's not gonna last until say age 100, how much premium should I be paying to have the coverage last until age 100? And I know you do a good job with that with your clients and trying to you know help them figure that stuff out, but an in-force illustration, and we recommend it every four years. And so I like to say every year there's a presidential election, a U.S. presidential election, get an in-force illustration just to make sure your life insurance is in good order. Now, we just had an in-force presidential election last year. So instead of waiting three more years, if your clients or your prospects want to get an in-force illustration, there's nothing wrong with trying to ask for it now. Yeah, I think uh, America might be better off if we're all every four years figure out uh, what our in-force illustration looks like instead of trying to fight over who the next president might be. That might be a better uh, way yeah, to go. That's a whole other conversation. <laughs> yeah, you got it. Good. Well, I want to finish up with this idea of something called living benefits. I know that uh, your agency is a is a leader in living benefits, and that's actually something that's somewhat newer to me. So let's, let's talk about that. Living benefits are actually extra benefits that can be added to a life insurance policy that allow the client or the insured to have access to the death benefit of the life insurance while they're alive if they need the money. Now, something lousy has to happen, of course, but um, a health issue typically is a good reason here. So there are some policies that have what's called a chronic illness rider or a long-term care rider. It allows you to have access to the death benefit of life insurance if the insured needs long-term care services at home, assisted living, or a nursing home. And this is a way where they can tap into the death benefit tax-free to help provide the costs for needing long-term care services. And again, it covers home health, assisted living, nursing home. Those have become extremely popular. We see, we find more and more people are saying, yes, I want my life insurance to provide double duty. So I don't necessarily need a whole bunch of life insurance just for income replacement, but it is kind of nice that my life insurance can also not only provide income if I pass away, but if I need it while I'm alive and I need it to help pay for long-term care services, here's a resource I can tap into tax-free to help pay for my care. There's another uh, living benefit called critical illness. This is where if someone has a heart attack, a cancer scare, Parkinson's, ALS, or some kind of uh, critical illness, 
they can have access to the life insurance while they're alive as well. So these living benefits have grown in popularity considerably over the last half, you know, say the last decade, but it's really picked up over the last five or six years. And it's another way where you can just have some value added to the life insurance. And believe it or not, some of these policies have these riders built in, so there's no additional cost on the front end for them. And then some of them, you have to pay some money for the rider. But when you take a look at, boy, what are the benefits I get for a little bit extra premium, this might make a lot of sense for me. Okay. So that's definitely something we ought to be looking at and people ought to be looking at. And it's just an interesting thing, too. Usually when you're buying life insurance, like everyone says, oh, what if I step off the curb and get hit by a bus? Like I've heard that plenty of times. You've probably heard that plenty of times. Sometimes that's not the big issue. You know, somebody passes away, certainly it's uh, it's tragic and sad, but imagine how much more tragic and sad it might be if there's a slow decline, whether you're older and have a long-term care situation or perhaps even being younger and you have these critical illnesses that come in. And it's almost as if the money doesn't come in till after you're gone uh, if you don't have the living benefit. And yet the need a lot of times might be beforehand for the care or the ability to stop working if that's the situation, or even just to enjoy life with your family for the last few uh, months that you might have left. And so it's it's a nice thing to look into these, these living benefits uh, for sure. Yeah, the American public have really felt this was a value added. And they, uh, most of the policies that walk out our door have some kind of living benefit attached to it. Okay, gotcha. Well, good. Well, I think uh, we, we've done a masterclass in uh, life insurance and uh, definitely the no-nonsense, I think, showed up here with our conversation. So thank you for, for that. Anything else uh, you'd like to leave our listeners with? I think if you have some permanent insurance and you would like to make sure it's healthy, I think you should suggest having your clients and your prospects get you copies of their annual life insurance statements for a no-nonsense review saying, okay, this looks great, leave it alone, or tweak this because you can save you some money by changing the dividend option here, or this policy's not running quite the way we want it to, maybe we should look at something else on the open market. Just by getting a copy of the annual statement and having your insurance and financial advisor take a good look at it for you, that's gonna that can save you thousands of dollars and put yourself in as much better solution insurance-wise. Yeah, excellent, good. Well, how can people get a hold of you uh, or CPS Horizon? CPS Horizon is in the Milwaukee area, but we work with people all over the country. CPSHorizon.com, that's C is in Charlie, P is in Pumpkin, S is in Samantha, Horizon with an H.com is our website. And then if you want to reach out to me, my email is Mike at CPSHorizon.com. Excellent. Good. Well, thanks, Mike, for coming on out. Everyone here is going to be a lot more knowledgeable about life insurance. And I'm hoping everyone that has some level of permanent insurance uh, goes out and gets that Enforce illustration to check up on how's your policy been doing since you bought it. And actually, uh, perhaps more importantly, how is it likely going to keep doing uh, going forward? And if that's something people need some guidance on, just reach out to us. Happy to uh, help you through that. It's retirement-revealed.com. Be happy to help you out through there. Well, good. Well, thanks, Mike, for coming on. And thank you, too, to all our listeners for joining us on the Retirement Revealed podcast. We believe if you know more about your money, you will feel better about your money and you will make better money decisions. Thank you for listening to the Retirement Revealed podcast. Click on the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. Visit retirement-revealed.com to learn more. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Kyle Financial Partners. Kyle Financial Partners does not provide legal, accounting, or tax advice. Consult your attorney or tax professional. Representatives have general knowledge of the Social Security tenants. For complete details on your situation, contact the Social Security Administration. 
Kyle Financial Partners is a part of the Thrivent Advisor Network, a registered investment advisor. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.